Good evening. Welcome to Blue Jays Talk. I'm Blake Murphy. Julia Kreutz to my left. Not a fun one. It's 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. I would imagine the texts that will start coming into 590-590. Oh, boy. Greg and Barry wrote an essay in there already. Greg and Barry, I'll get to that when I have a day to sit down with the message. Uh, you can send those texts in to 590-590. The Jays lose 7-3 to to the Twins. We'll try to split the series tomorrow. Julia, not the best of Blue Jays games. Certainly not the best of Blue Jays games. Certainly not the the, the best day to have a baseball game as a whole. The conditions in, in Minneapolis really not, not the best for, especially for a guy who is having his debut with the team and, and Mitch White. I can't imagine that that was fun for him either. But, I mean, solid outing overall. Yeah, and it's not a great day for the elements if you are a left-handed relief pitcher trying to run to the plate to defend against a suicide squeeze and collide with everything and fall and dislocate your shoulder. Just very little went the Blue Jays way this uh, this time around. And I thought maybe that would change a little bit. So Bo Bichette comes up in the eighth and he's facing Duran, who we know throws a million miles an hour. And it has the feel of, well, maybe this will be, a, you know, the type of Bo Bichette plate appearance that frustrates people. And instead he gets curveball, curveball and bounces one up the middle that just kind of finds its way. Did they like, did you bite on the pump fake of like, oh, maybe, maybe it's the bounces are going to turn around. Honestly, yes. And we were talking a little bit before about maybe Bichette not having things go his way a lot of the time here. And when you look at something like that, it really did just squeeze past the infield there. I think a couple of guys could have made that play, a couple of twins, that is, and they just didn't, and that drives in a run, if I'm not mistaken. And so that could have been a turning point, but we know that baseball games are built of a million uh, possible turning points, right? And it's just uh, sometimes it's just not enough, and the twins look like a very well-rounded team tonight. Yeah, they did. And, you know, they get it done at the plate. Uh, of course, Luis Arise gets three hits. He's always getting three hits. You even get a guy like Jake Cave fresh from uh, the minors for getting a second chance here. And he gets his first career triple comes through in a big spot. Um, their defense is pretty solid. And then, of course, uh, even with Dylan Bundy only going four innings, they get six relievers coming in to throw five with only one run allowed. Um, we saw them beef up their bullpen with the additions of Fulmer and Lopez and both of those guys got in here. And then you've got the holdovers like Theobar Jackson Duran. Uh, this is a team that can shorten a game on you a little bit. And it's funny because obviously it's not what you would like if you are either of these teams really, but m- mostly so with the blue Jays, blue Jays also used a bunch of relievers. I think it was five total yeah. here, obviously with Tim Mesa getting getting injured and dislocating his shoulder. That sort of derailed uh, John Schneider's plans, but it's not ideal to use that many relievers. <laughs> and if you are going to, might as well get the win, right? Which is uh, more than what the Blue Jays can say here. And I think that we saw just how much of a strength the Twins' bullpen is for them. And, you know, and, and when we're talking about the Blue Jays, oh, did they do enough at the trade deadline? How is this bullpen looking and then you sort of face a team like that they can just roll in relievers and and they're so good right now 
it's uh, it's pretty scary. I don't know if it bodes particularly well for the Blue Jays when it comes to the postseason. It's going to be noticeable tomorrow as well because, yeah, I mean, the Jays, they did fortify, but immediately lose Stripling to the IL. And Mitch White, who you were thinking is maybe a long man, slides into the rotation. And now you look and you've traded away Max Castillo to get Whit Merrifield. So you don't have that traditional long man type. And now you're going to head into tomorrow with... Zach Pop, David Phelps, and Adam Simber all having pitched two days in a row with pretty decent pitch totals. Um, you know, you also used Bass today. And then Tim Meza, who, yeah, we, we should probably narrow in on a little bit. He gets into that weird play at the plate, trying to defend the suicide squeeze, uh, is in obviously a lot of pain, and we find out that he has dislocated his right shoulder. Not his throwing shoulder, but you look at Tim Mays' delivery, and I mean, even the cleanest, most simple of deliveries, you're not going to be able to pitch without your front shoulder um, to balance, to to get that kind of torque. But Mays' is a little more aggressive. The move tomorrow might be Matt Gage. That's the kind of the next lefty up. You can look at a Taylor Sacedo who is on a rehab assignment on the 60-day IL right now, but it gets thin pretty quick. As a reminder, Anthony Bonda just cleared waivers and elected free agency. Andrew Vasquez was claimed off of waivers uh, on the trade deadline. Julia, do you, am I missing anyone on what that succession plan could be like? So I had here in my, my notes, Sacedo, Gage, Foster Griffin, a million mm-hmm. question marks, because yep. this is a guy who has been pretty decent in the minor leagues. And then as soon as he gets called up, it just doesn't work for him. It, he just doesn't seem to have it down yet in the major league level. So, and this is a pretty crucial uh, bit of the schedule for the Blue Jays here to gamble with a guy who has yet to find consistent consistency on the big league level. You can't stick in the Royals bullpen after, you know, almost literally a decade in their system. You have to wonder just how realistic that is. Now he did have some nice numbers in the minors earlier this year. He had a 193 ERA in Kansas city's triple a team. He hasn't allowed a run over seven innings with Buffalo He's stopped walking guys, maybe, but you never know with a guy like this. All of that is to say, whether it is Gage or Griffin or Sacedo, who has looked really good in AAA, but we saw him in the majors a couple times, and you know what that looks like. None of these options are great. It's a rough spot. And what is your opinion in general on, you know, obviously you can have an eight-person bullpen now. There's always room for a lefty, even if it's, you know, even if the, the loogie role is gone because of the three batter minimum at a certain point though, if Mesa misses significant time, the Jays might have to look at an all righty bullpen because they just don't have lefties. I will say this. Sure. And, and uh, they're, they're definitely comfortable doing that when it comes to the lineup, right? <laughs> we, we know how righty heavy this lineup is. Obviously it's a little bit different with pitching and I understand that, but I didn't particularly like the decision to send Matt Gage back down in the first place. I think that he was getting acclimated to the major leagues pretty nicely. And sure, it's a small sample size. He's only pitched 13 innings in the majors, but he has a 138 ERA. Like it's, that's nothing to shrug at. You know what I mean? I know that there's a lot that needs to go right for Matt Gage to maintain this sort of, this sort of performance. 
But I thought that he was doing a pretty good job. And sure, he got caught a little bit in a in a numbers game there and whatnot. And I guess it made sense from an organizational standpoint to send him back down when the Blue Jays did. But I don't mind him coming back up at all. I, I, I think it it makes sense and it would actually be beneficial for this uh, pitching staff. And that's this is why you take the flyer on a guy like Matt Gage, who, you know, we've heard Arden Zwelling tell the story of, yeah, there are a bunch of teams that are really analytically minded that Matt Gage popped up on their list when they looked at some things, some things you could do with spin rate or delivery. And if you're not going to, if you find a guy like that and you turn him into a very productive AAA piece and a productive short-term major league piece, like if he's not the next man up in a situation like this where you're comfortable, what what are you doing those things for? So the thing about relief pitching is, and this is a positive and a negative, everyone's shelf life is one more pitch, right? And I mean that in terms of injuries. I mean that in terms of effectiveness. How many times have we seen a great reliever turn into a pumpkin? Or, you know, you've got one of everyone's favorite uh, trade deadline targets for the Jays, Joe Jimenez, who was a DFA candidate and then is suddenly one of the best bullpen arms. Like these things change on a whim and you kind of have to, when you have a guy who's pitched as well as Matt Gage, to your point, you kind of have to ride it until there are some stronger signs. It's not going to work. And, you know, I'm all for the waiting on a larger sample size or looking at the signs of regression or whatever. It's relief pitching. You don't get sample sizes enough. You just got to ride a guy until until, uh, you know, the next situation comes along. So I'm, I'm with you. I'd like to see Matt Gage get an extended look. Right on. It's, uh, you can't talk about the next man up mentality and then uh, sort of close your eyes to a guy like Matt Gage. It just doesn't, uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. And there are some other names uh, from the left side that you could kick around. Anthony Kay's on the AAA IL and at this point is a very known commodity. Um, Nick Allgaier has been a little better since moving to the bullpen down with Buffalo, but he's not on the 40 man. So you're looking at something there, especially as Sacedo gets closer to, um, you know, his rehab stint limit. Not great. And I didn't think we'd be talking about Tim Mesa's injury before the game uh, as the lead item, because the other big thing in this one, and we found out shortly before the game, George Springer hit the IL with right elbow, inf- elbow inflammation and is going to miss at least 10 days retroactive to the fifth. And yeah, Whit Merrifield starts in center field. What do you think of, well, they don't have much choice. We know the succession plan. It's Whit Merrifield there. Rymel Tapia pinch hit for him in a big spot. What did you think of that move? And and what does this look like for the next 10 days? Like, is that it? Is it kind of a Merrifield Tapia situational platoon? I think so. Uh, I think that, uh, Look, George Springer wasn't playing that much center field before anyway. We know that it has always been a thing with him that he can't really get significant regular time at center field, it feels like. So it makes sense that they would go with a situational platoon. I think that where the Blue Jays miss or lose the most is at the, the leadoff spot for sure. I mean, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has been on a nice run here. He's he, he's had a good streak for sure, and it makes sense to have him in that spot but the Blue Jays do do lose a lot in that uh, in that leadoff spot. That said, Merrifield doesn't doesn't have the power of George Springer's <laughs> bat, and that goes without saying. He's a tremendous uh, defender, runs amazingly well. I think that that's a that's definitely a plus for this team. When you when you think of 
Rymel Tapia pinch hitting there, and I'm sure that some analytics went into it, and Rymel Tapia has been extremely clutch of late, <laughs> but I am always wary of bringing in a guy that has not seen in it bad in, in the game. This whole series in Minnesota has been sort of playoff material, like just the energy around the teams and in the ballpark. It's been very playoff-ish. And when you have a guy that that is not in the game, has not felt sort of the, has not gotten acclimated to this particular ball game, and you put him in that spot, sure, he's been clutch in recent days, but do you really want to take that risk? And if it's all about analytics and, and none of this, actually matters, then sure, I'll, I'll stop talking and I'll concede that I am not a major league baseball manager. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm always wary of that because if, you, if you're if you not in it, it's kind of hard for you to, to step into that big moment, if that makes any sense. It does. And I think that if you were going to come up with a list of the most difficult possible pitchers to come in ice cold against, having not seen pitches all game, uh, the guy throwing 102, 103 is probably at the very top of that list. It's probably pretty tough in Yon Duran. Um, and yeah, grounds into a force out there. That was the, the really the last time the Jays uh, threatened it all. So not a great one. Seven hits, three runs for the Jays. They lose 7-3. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll look around at what else happened in the American League. And we'll talk about what we thought was going to be the A1 story coming to this one. Uh, the debut of Mitch White. That's next as Blue Jays Talk continues on the Sportsnet Radio Network. If last year was the trailer and this year's the movie, Vladdy's going to win an Emmy, Oscar, and MVP. This is Blue Jays Baseball on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to Blue Jays Talk. I'm Blake Murphy. Julia Kreutz with me just for a little bit longer here. Jays lose 7-3. So now... It's time for the Bet365 standings update. With Bet365, you can bet on things like player props, totals, or the money line across many different sports. 19 plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. So the Jays lose. There's a lot going on in baseball tonight. The Yankees lost, so you miss an opportunity to close a, a half game there. The White Sox lose. You miss an opportunity to gain an extra half game cushion there. The Rays lose. Same thing. And the Mariners beat the Angels 2-1. They're playing a second game right now. So maybe that looks a little differently. But Julia, as we look around the Bet365 standings update, it's not great. The Jays fall to 59-48. That lead on the top wild card spot has shrunk uh, Seattle. We'll see how the second game tonight goes, but they've been pretty effective. The Jays are the one and a half game cushion on Seattle. As we speak uh, two games up on Tampa. And then the big note, the Baltimore Orioles, despite selling pieces at the deadline have won five in a row and are now just three games back of the Jays and just one back of Tampa Bay. The Orioles scaring you a little bit, even without Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez. Scaring isn't really the word I would use, Blake. I, I they're actually exciting me. I think it's a it's a a great thing to see these young guys sort of come to life. And we know that their plan isn't a deep postseason run this year. We know that their plan isn't even to to make the postseason this year. If they do, I think it'll be good experience for these guys and everything. But 
dealing Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez, whom we saw today, was a pretty good indication that they're still a year or so away from from competing. That said, it's so surprising and so much fun to see how well they're doing. And I'm sorry to, to Blue Jays fans here. It kind of is fun. And more than anything, it's also a particularly pleasing to see the Red Sox at the, the bottom of that, uh, of that division. You know, again, something that we didn't really expect. And as a fan of the game, it's really, really entertaining to see how this American League East is shaping up. And how it projects ahead in the future. Baltimore, a little ahead of schedule in terms of being competitive right now. And this was a team that entered the year with the number one farm system in baseball. And the bulk of their, like, spiciest prospects are in AAA, and if not AAA, either the majors or AA. Like, there are more pieces coming for Baltimore, and they have all the budget in the world. I don't know what their ownership's willingness to spend it is, but they have, like, Trey Mancini made, like, 99% of their payroll or something like that. This is a team that could fortify quickly if they want to. Yes, yeah, stay tuned for the next offseason because they will certainly be big players uh, the front office over there has already indicated that they're going to make some plays for big free agent guys and that'll be a team that will probably be competitive for 10 plus years after this you'd hope the washington nationals hope that too though and then they uh, have no pieces left from their 2019 world series team so uh, things can fall apart quickly as they did for the blue jays tonight so seven three loss that was your bet three six five standings update um what we thought would be the main story heading in was the debut of Mitch White. It, it was almost, I guess it's a credit to him or, or just a credit to the weirdness of the game as it flowed, but Mitch White kind of felt like a non-story altogether. He ends up with three earned runs on six hits and a walk over four and two-thirds innings, only two strikeouts. Julia, what was your key takeaway from Mitch White's debut? I think that with a guy like Mitch White not being the story is the absolute best thing <laughs> that he could have done. I don't think anyone expected him to come in and strike out seven over five innings or whatever and uh, just dominate. Sure, we joked about it pregame. Oh, wouldn't it be great if he tossed five no-hit innings? Yes, it would be great, and it would be a lot of fun. But with a guy like this, you have to know what you're getting out of him and the fact that he held the twins at bay for the most part over four and two thirds is all you could have asked for. This team hasn't really and the coaching staff, especially hasn't really had a chance to look at what he can do to work with him to sort of implement some of the strategies that have worked for other pitchers in the past. And the fact that he comes in, the conditions were absolutely terrible it was raining so much when the game started. And then later on, just based on the the, the glistening looks of players, <laughs> you could see that it was so humid and, and, and it must have been really hard for pitchers overall. He still, you know, held his own. Something that we were talking about a little bit, Blake, it, it was his fastball, Mitch White's fastball and just how much work that still, um, that still needs to sort of play in this big league level. And we were, pondering how much will he use his fastball in his first start with the Blue Jays. He actually upped the usage of his fastball today. Yeah, too too much would be the answer to how much did he use his fastball today. Um, Very interesting. Yeah, that's one word for it. Uh, A little frustrating, maybe the other. So he did throw, uh, of his 85 pitches, 46 were four seamers, and then he had a handful of sinkers that 
they're close enough in velocity and spin that they, those might've just been fastballs too. So let's say uh, about 60% of his pitches. And that's just not an electric enough weapon right now for him to throw at that volume. Uh, he got two swing and misses on it. Yeah. That's not enough. And even if you can get some caught, uh, some called strikes um, when you're sitting 93, only touching 95 and it's as flat as it is. I was a little surprised they went this extreme with it, especially once he started losing the feel for it a little bit command wise. Um, the slider and the curveball are better pitches. They're better pitches for him over a larger sample. Um, the slider tonight was particularly effective in getting weak contacts. I was a little surprised. Maybe it's something they didn't, like you said, they didn't want to tweak too early, but I did think it was uh, between the, the fastball usage and letting him go to the top of the order a third time. Those were minor surprises. Does that, I know that it's a completely different uh, situation, but does that sort of remind you of Yusei Kikuchi a little bit when it comes to, you know, the Blue Jays don't want him to throw the cutter and we saw a little bit of resistance from him there, you know? He was still kind of, he wanted to throw that cutter, you know? Yeah. He, he wasn't super uh, confident, I guess, in his, uh, his four-seam fastball for a little bit. And I wonder if there's an element of uh, just like a mental comfortability with a certain pitch for Mitch White as well. It could be that, and it could also be an element of, look, you're brand new to the team. Um, it's not a lot of time to sit down with Pete Walker and whoever else and Danny Jansen and, and tweak things. And, you know, Danny Jansen has a reputation as a pretty good game caller. I'm not surprised that he got the nod in White's first game. Um, maybe it was a case of just let this guy get comfortable, let him get his feet under him and, you know, some tape that you can go through. I would completely understand that. Um, the unfortunate part, though, is that he doesn't get out of the fifth. Tim Meza allows the inherited runner to score. Then Tim Meza falls on his way to cover a suicide squeeze in is out. And then suddenly you have a kind of thinned out bullpen for tomorrow. Uh, that matchup tomorrow, by the way, Julia, it's a two ten first pitch. Ben, why don't have it for you on the sports net radio network, Kevin Gosman against Chris Archer, the way this one went and without an off day ahead, they got to get a, bit of length out of Gosman's one. Yeah, I was going to say, will we see our compl- of, of an elusive complete game here no. tomorrow? <laughs> There's no such thing. But, you know, that is the guy that you'd probably want on the mound, him or Manoa, if you if you need several innings from your starter. And uh, I'm off tomorrow, Blake. I'm not mm. going to lie. I'm, I have no plans, but that matchup, I'm going to be sitting in front of the TV and watching. I, I'm just a a big Chris Archer fan. I think that he is hilarious and uh, just a fun guy to watch. And Kevin Gosman is Kevin Gosman. I think, and, and especially with the way things are in the series right now, twins lead the blue Jays have a chance to, to grab a split here, make, make things interesting in the American league uh, wild card. I don't know. I think I'll be watching that game. Yeah, it'll be a fun one. And Chris Archer, the only guy I've ever seen rival Alec Manoa for quality of mic'd up segments. Uh, you mentioned the complete game. Do you know how many there have been in major league baseball this year? No. 21, that's it. Seriously? Yeah, in the entire league. In the in, in Major League Baseball. You're not just talking about the American League. Major League Baseball. That's How do you feel about that? Because I you know, there's the analytical and whatnot, but how how do you feel about that? So it's tough. It it pulls me in two directions because one on the if you want to use the analytical 
bent for it in terms of injury prevention. There's not a lot of evidence that this artificial hundred pitch cap for a lot of guys has prevented injuries. We've seen pitch counts go down. We've seen average starts go down and we haven't seen a decline in injury. Maybe it's, maybe it's holding off an even worse injury epidemic, but there's not a lot of evidence that hundred is some magic number. There is, however, decent evidence that 80 is roughly the number of pitches where your stuff starts or stops breaking as much where your fastball velocity starts to trail off. My heart though. And my gut is if a guy is pitching well enough that this is even a question in a game, let him go until he's not pitching well enough. That's a good point. And I, I'll say this. I think that Clayton Kershaw was, a, was in a yeah. couple of situations like that this year and he where is he now? Exactly. On the IL. <laughs> didn't work for him, did it? <laughs> it sure didn't. Uh, so the Jays lose this one 7-3. to three. Uh, Lots of questions in the text line about other ways to fortify this team or, or reflecting back on the trade deadline already. And yeah, when you look at Minnesota's bullpen performance in this series so far, you look at the Jays' bullpen suddenly looking thin. And if uh, another starter were to stumble or get hurt, there is just not a lot coming up. Uh, hopefully the Tim Mesa news is good when he goes for further imaging uh, in the coming days. Arden's welling, letting us know that he was uh, in a sling post game. The MRI is to come. The team doesn't know a lot about a timeline right now. Uh, probably see a Matt Gage or Matt Gage type join the team tomorrow and take Mesa's spot. It is Kevin Gosman against Chris Archer. It's a 210 first pitch. Ben Wagner will be on the call for you on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Blair and Barker will be back for you post game. I'll be back for you Monday, three to five, as Jay's Talk Plus returns. Uh, Julia Kreutz, thanks for doing this with me. I'm sure you'll be back on the network somewhere very, very soon. Indeed. You're everywhere lately. And listen, if you miss me, MLB.com, BlueJays.com, that's where you can find me. Absolutely. And at Julia C. Kreutz on Twitter. Uh, Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game ready. Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans.